when it all did come come down in a heap and I just absolutely lost it. What did that look like? Um, oh, I was I was in tears. I was, you know, in bed. I just I couldn't get out and I admitted that I was, you know, I was so disappointed and I felt like a failure. And also I admitted that I actually didn't want to give up. And this was this was to my boyfriend, who is now my husband, but um he was the one that, that told me like, well, why why would you give up? Like if you don't want to, why would you give up? It's like I think I needed to hear that. I think I needed to hear some kind of validation that, you know, it is okay to continue. <laughs> Very special guest, Karina Lee, an Australian Olympic swimming team member. She is easily considered as the greatest 10-kilometer open water swimmer this country has ever seen. She has a wonderful story, and I hope you really enjoy it. So let's get into it. Karina Lee, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I feel honored. <laughs> <laughs> Australian Olympic swimmer. Officially dolphin number 753. Yeah. <laughs> Let's rewind a little bit. How do we? How did you get into distance swimming? Because you would have been swimming a fair bit, obviously, as a kid, going into teenagers. And then at some point, the 1500 or the 800, I guess, for, for, for women at that point. But then when did you say, when did you think or what happened for that shift to go to the 5K or the 10K? I've literally been swimming my whole life, like... It's in my blood. It was when I was a little baby, I was in the pool with my, my mum and my dad and my brothers. Um, I have always lived around the beach too. So I actually grew up um, with my main sport being surf lifesaving. Um, I was definitely a better swimmer than on craft or anything like that. But I was also in my local swim club and I was doing pretty well in swimming. I definitely wasn't the best, um, but I think I was just enjoying swimming as a whole or together and surf life saving. Uh, I think when I was seven years old, I kind of was watching the 2000 Olympics and I really got inspired. And that's where this like Olympic dream started to, I don't know, form. Um, but I, yeah, as I said, I was still doing surf life saving as my main sport, doing a bit of swimming as well. Uh, it didn't really occur to me until it's probably in my late teens that you know surf life saving wasn't actually going to get me to the Olympics so I started concentrating more on the pool I I could swim a lot of strokes except for breaststroke um, but my coaches were kind of pushing me into distance freestyle I think they saw potential there um, so I I loved my butterfly. I always said that I was going to be a butterfly like Susie O'Neill. She was my idol growing up. Um, but I was really excelling in the in the freestyle and specifically the 800-metre freestyle. Um, I made my first Australian junior team when I was 18 and that was for the 800-metre freestyle. Um, there was also a 1500-metre freestyle there as well, which I got selected for as well, but that wasn't an, an Olympic event at the time. So it was kind of, you know, a bit of a, a novelty event, I suppose. Um, that was the Junior Pam Packs. And when I was on a pre-camp to go to the Junior Pam Packs, I, I had the head coach come over to me and say, uh, Karina, just to let you know, we can enter one more person in the 10 kilometer open water event if you would like to do it this is in the same meet as the 8 the 15 yeah great and my first initial reaction was like um no thank you <laughs> <laughs> the thought of swimming 10 kilometers was just insane to me like I had never done anything like that before and yeah I I think I remember watching one of my friends do it um once and it just looked grueling, awful, and I, I think I was just scared of it. And the coach was like, just think on it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ring your home coach and we'll have a discussion. 
Then I get a phone call from my home coach saying, now you're doing it. I was like, what? And he's like, don't pass up up an opportunity. Like, give it a go. What does it matter? It's after the pool events. Like, just go and give it a go. In terms of time as well, like the eight would be, what, eight and a bit minutes 15s is going to be 15 and then 16 minutes and then you're going to like two hours. Two hours, yeah. So it's like such, a, <laughs> such an enormous jump. Yeah, it just it just seemed ridiculous. But um, yeah, fast forward to that meet, like I'd, I'd done well in the 8 and the 15. Um, time to do the, the 10 kilometre. <laughs> um, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I got told that you need to feed in it and I was like, well, what is feeding? <laughs> so I made up like these Gatorades and... Yeah. I don't know. Um, I got I got on the start line in the race and I sprinted from the start and I thought, oh, okay, this is easy. Like, I'm probably the fastest one here. This is great. I was leading. I was feeling so good. I had one feed like probably on the first lap and then I was like, I feel fine. Don't have to feed the rest of the time. The girls were all behind me, um, you know, not too far behind but but a little way. Uh, and then it got to the last lap. I think there was 1.5 kilometres to go. And it was honestly like I was standing still. <laughs> Everybody went past me and I was like, what the hell is happening? Like, yeah. how do they have speed now? Like, this is the end of the 10K. And, um, yeah, I think I ended up getting like seventh or eighth, but the girls that won beat me by like over two minutes. <laughs> I was like... How did they do that? And I think from then on, I was more curious about the race. Can't say I loved it, but I was like, wow, like, how did they do that? I want to know more about this. I want to, I want to do more so I can do what they just did because that's insane. Did you learn to love it? Oh, I, I learned to absolutely love it. It is one of the coolest events. It's strategy involved. It's, it's not just who can swim the fastest. It's... You know, there's so many factors that come into it. And I think with every race I did, I learned more and more. And I think that was really special. And so you come off that and you think, okay, and what year was that? That was in 2012. Okay. And that's when you came back home and did you have discussions with your team about whether that's what we do now or were you still sort of hedging your bets with the pool? Yeah, you know, um, I still wanted to do pool. Um, I I really enjoy pool racing, but – we kind of saw a bit of an opportunity um, four years out from the Olympic Games that that is an Olympic event and, you know, if I could get better at that, there's a there's an opportunity there. I mean, we did have good open water swimmers in Australia but I think it was, you know, within my reach to, to try and aim for that. Yeah. And so then how did the training change? How did your mindset change? Actually in like pretty much straight after that event, I was actually knocked out for a year and a half, I got glandular fever and then I think I I pushed a bit too far um, in my training after glandular fever and then got struck down with chronic fatigue. So I was actually, yeah, out of the pool for a year and a half. So that kind of slowed the training down a little bit and coming back was was quite rough trying to, you know, build up a year and a half, miss swimming, swimming, as well as when, when you have chronic fatigue, you immune system stays down for a little while. So I was still battling with getting sick and, you know, constantly. So Had the goal shifted in that period of time? Because if you're, you're someone who's swum your entire life, you've now gone to junior worlds, pan packs, you've experienced it, you've Rio's on the cards and then you're at home for an, a year and a half. How was that for you? It was a pretty difficult time in my life to – to go from being so active to literally not being able to get out of bed, not even being able to like walk to the fridge to get myself something to eat. It was, it was really hard. Um, you finished school at that stage. I, I had yeah. finished school. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was at university, um, but that kind of had to be put on the back burners too. Like it was, it was a struggle. I think I was probably, yeah, I was pretty down. I was, I was in a deep hole. Um, I was just so lucky that, um, I had support around me, my parents, my um, boyfriend at the time, my uh, coach at the time too. He actually had um, a son go through the same thing, but his son ended up 
um, pushing through it a little bit too hard and ended up giving up swimming. So, Had that crossed your mind? Giving up? Giving swimming? up a lot of times, yeah. I thought I'm probably not going to come back from this, but at the same time I had a, I had a dream <laughs> and I didn't want anything to stop me on that dream and there was always this this hope in there that I, that I would get better and I would get back on. But Rio was the 2016 Olympics. That was the, that was the one that I was going to go to like that, like nothing was going to get in my way. So looking at that journey to Rio, you, you thought that that was, you're, that you'd be the perfect age. As yeah. An athlete? Yeah. I mean, you see in swimming athletes making it so young, like 16 years of age, um, and I was already 18 by that point. I was going to be 22 for the Olympics. And in my mind, 22 was at the very, very back end of the sport. That was I, that was pretty old in, in my mind. And I thought that Rio was probably going to be my absolute one and only chance to make the Olympics. Because yeah. it's funny how that Olympiad works in that if you're born at the right time with the age relative to the sport, you could have like three goes – or you could have essentially one or maybe second one. Yeah. But it just depends on where you're born and how old you are at the first one, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and when you develop and when you can improve, when you're fast enough. So you do get back slowly in the pool. Yeah, very, yeah. very slowly I, I get back. And I think I had um like a six months of kind of solid training before I had a, a meet that was going to, yeah, get me selected on my first like senior Australian team and uh that was for all right so yeah you you had the Rio goal yeah and you actually hadn't made a senior team I hadn't made a senior team yet I'd just been on that yeah that one junior junior team team. and you get struck down a year and a half out of the pool yeah yet your focus is still no yeah fuck this yeah we're gonna make it perfect (laughs) yeah okay um where does that come from where does that internal confidence or internal drive come from I have had it since I was quite little. Um, I always strive to beat my brothers at things. I think <laughs> I was just very, very competitive. Um, my surf coach when I was really young going through nippers, um, he made us work hard and he he made us set goals and and I think he really helped me get that that inner drive and that want to do things and and realise that feeling of, of success when you do achieve your goals. And then you had six months in the pool to prepare to make your first. Yeah, my first senior team and that was um, for the the senior um, Pan Pacific Championships. Um, and I actually, yeah, I actually ended up making that first ever team. It was, it was so exciting. I actually didn't have many expectations on myself. I mean, I wanted to make it, but I knew that the training just wasn't there. And I was, yeah, I just can't believe I still to this day that I made that team. You pulled six months out. And yeah. That's all it took. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. And then you make that team. Where was that? That was for the 10K. Yep. Um, it was actually meant to be on the Gold Coast in Australia um, due to some water quality issues. Uh, it ended up being cancelled and being moved alongside the junior pan packs in Hawaii. So I got to go back to Hawaii, um, experience those beautiful waters again. Um, it was, it was quite amazing, but it was actually pretty devastating to be canceled, um, in Australia because it was something that my, my whole family was going to come and watch and yeah, but no, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, being able to go back to Hawaii though. That was 2000 and 14? Yeah, 2014, yes. And then so the the your premonition about Rio was all coming to fruition. Yeah, I think that gave me this like spur of energy and like real belief that, you know, I could I could get there. Um yeah, there was probably four four girls that were quite um good in Australia, but I was in the top 2. Um and yeah, there's there's two potential spots to go to Rio um, in the first qualifying chance, um, but the second one there's only one Australian spot. So yeah, it it gets pretty cutthroat. Yeah, how does it go? Because if you're effectively 
um, in the top two in Australia and the other one is lives on the Sunshine Coast as well. How does that go with motivating you to train harder knowing that she's just there? Yeah, well, we were actually training partners. We were training um, in the same pool, in the same squad. Um, we were, you know, pushing each other always. And uh, she, just before, um, or just before those Pam packs, she actually um, moved squads, but still on the Sunshine Coast. So every little ocean swim, every meet that I went to, we would always be up against each other. And Honestly, I think that's like that's what made us better. I, having your, you know, your biggest competition right there, it's it just it makes you better. It makes you want to be faster. You know, strive for more. Uh, I think we we pushed each other a lot. I think it was really good. Yeah. Okay. And so there's quali- two there's two primary qualifying races for Rio. Mm-hmm. The first one, you weren't great feeling. You weren't. You weren't 100% healthy and so you had lower expectations. I, I don't know if that was why I had lower expectations. So the first qualifying event was the World Championships in 2015. So it's my first World Championships um, and I had seen, you know, other Australians compete at World Championships and we usually didn't get in that top ten. And you needed to get in the top 10 to qualify for the Olympics. That was automatic selection. You know, if two from your country got in that top 10, you both get to go. If you both don't get in, then you get a second chance. Um, I just just don't think my belief was there that I could get in the top 10. Um, I I wanted to give it a, a shot, but I think, you know, realistically I wasn't quite there. Um, not not skilled enough in the open water just yet. Um, but, yeah, I was quite sick leading into that competition. It just – it seemed like every single international flight that I went on, I just ended up sick off the plane, which was – it was a, a challenge that I, I faced, um, yeah, travelling overseas. But, yeah, this, this particular one, um, I swam – I think I got 19th or 20th. I was still pretty happy with the result, but I ended up, um, yeah, collapsing after the race and getting taken to hospital. Just, you know, I think I I pushed pretty hard through the through the through the sickness as you do as an athlete, and yeah, it wasn't the best on my body. How the time difference between tenth and nineteenth? Oh, I think oh between tenth and nineteenth, uh, probably like thirty to forty seconds. Second. Yeah. Does that sit with you at all? I know the pool swimming is a bit different where where we get down to half seconds yeah. and stuff, but do you, you know, over 10K in two hours of swimming, do you not go, I could have just found 40 seconds and <laughs> I'd, be off to, I'd be off to Rio? Yeah, I mean, you, you do look back on it and as I said, you know, it, you learn so much from each event. So I knew that I had learnings to take into the, to, into the next one. Yeah, and then so you go back, back to the pool, back to training, knowing that um, – Neither Australian qualified at Worlds. Mm-hmm. And you've got, you both have one opportunity left in Portugal. Yeah. And uh, you, it's only one place from each country. You have to get top – still have to get top ten? You have to get top nine top and it's – yeah, it's one from each country. Yeah. And so your mindset going into that race, knowing that's just as your – you've had this premonition about Rio mm-hmm. and it's the right age for you to qualify, right age for you to compete – probably the last opportunity to do that um, and that is the last qualifier for that. What's your mindset going in? I was more motivated than ever. I knew that this this was my shot and um, it's it's everything that I wanted. So I worked so hard. I got my pool times dropped down to the, to the point where in the 800 I actually got third. So only one spot off actually making the Olympics <laughs> in, the, in the 800. Um you know, the, the local ocean swims I was actually winning um, and that was giving me boosts of confidence. Over your other – over the – Yes. Yep. And, yeah, I, I felt great. I was I was strong. I was healthy. You know, everything was, was looking really good. And on the start line? On the start line I was – yeah, I was pumped, motivated. Um, 
I think it was probably the first time that I hadn't gotten too nervous. I was able to control my nerves pretty well and and I just wanted to go in and, you know, see see what I could do. Then that race. Yeah, that race, um, we, we started and I think probably on the third lap out of six, um, I saw a girl uh, breaking away from the pack and I decided in that moment to to go with her. We actually made quite a, a fair distance on the the rest of the field. And um, I've heard now from, you know, other coaches that they were high-fiving my coach and everything. Like <laughs> it was it was enough of a distance to, to say, you know, you should probably go into the Olympics. Um, but I think we both just died. <laughs> Went out, went went a bit too strong. Um, the rest of the pack caught us, and it was a, a big sprint finish to the end. Um, I ended up getting in that top nine. I think I got seventh, but um, yeah, I was the second Australian, so I didn't I didn't make that one. Um, and that was internally devastating. But I knew that I could not show that. Like I wasn't someone that could show my emotion, I guess, which I look back on now and that's so silly, but I wanted to be so happy for my other competitor because, it, you know, it's amazing, amazing feat. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to disappoint my coach or anything by being upset. And in that moment after that race, I was like, well, I guess that's my swimming career done. And I had to try and think, oh, you know, you've been to Pam packs and you've been to the world championships and you gave it a shot and you just got to be happy with <laughs> with what you achieved. And the difficulty is, I guess, is that the, it's four years, right? It's like, yeah. and that's what I find incredible with swimming, that it's, well, any, I guess, any specific uh, Olympic sport where you're like, that's my goal. And if you're like, for you, you don't qualify. And that's the biggest step, like the biggest hurdle. It's like, well, if you were focused on the, if you still had another four years in you, it's another four years yeah. to then qualify. Yeah. And four years <sighs> just seems like such a long time. Like thinking I was old at 22, another four years, like that's. Or 26. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch the Rio 10K? Um, No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't. I can then. imagine. And I feel awful for not but I honestly couldn't bring myself yeah. to watch it. It was, yeah, it was a bit of an emotional time. Yeah, I can only imagine that. And I appreciate your honesty with that. Um, so you get home. How do you, how are you, that must be one of the lowest points of your life when you've been so focused on the Olympics and now that dream's gone. It was one of the lowest points. And I think the hardest part was me trying to hide it from everyone. I didn't let myself like be low and you know my family my boyfriend they were so amazing on trying to lift me back up um but yeah I, I was hurting I was hurting a lot and I was just more confused because I had told everyone that after you know Rio that's that's going to be the end so I think you know we me and my boyfriend were starting to make plans for the future and what's that's what that's going to look like and in my head I I just kept on you know telling myself hey I, something's missing like it's not I can't be done but I felt bad for thinking that I felt bad for saying that because I'd already you know decided that this was this was the end so it was really it was really hard time juggling what was what was going on in my head and that was just and because of the way you're saying that you didn't want to share that or you yeah. didn't want to exp tell anyone that you were going through that so you that's just rolling through your head yeah all the time yeah I think um I used to be like one of those people that found positives in everything and I think that's you know sometimes that's a superpower but sometimes it's yeah it's it's quite bad because you're continually lying to yourself and you're not letting yourself feel what you need to feel. Did you know at that time, like actively, did you consciously know that that's what was going on or were you really trying to do do yourself over and pretend to yourself that everything was good? Yeah, I think I was trying to pretend to myself that everything was good um, and it and it's looking back going, <laughs> you were not okay then yeah. and <laughs> it was not okay. And where have, 
up until that point, were you previously able to express your challenges to others or is that just a trait that you have that you just want to be able to keep keep a smile on the face and yeah I think I just wanted to to live up to what everyone always said everyone used to say you know you you go through life smiling you're such a happy person and so that's kind of what I just took on yeah but you're going home at night almost convincing yourself that that's the case still it wasn't as if you were you knew it wasn't like you were you knew that you get home by yourself and you're or in your own moment and you fall in a heap you're just trying to just trying to be happy (laughs) just trying to (laughs) yeah and then when what was the turning point do you think the turning point was when it all did come come down in a heap and I just absolutely lost it (laughs) what did that look like um oh I was I was in tears I was you know in bed I just I couldn't get out and I admitted that I was you know, I was so disappointed and I felt like a failure. And also I admitted that I actually didn't want to give up. And this was, this was to my boyfriend who is now my husband, but, um, he was the one that, that told me like, well, why, why would you give up? Like, if you don't want to, why would you give up? It's like, I think I needed to hear that. I think I needed to hear some kind of validation that, you know, it is okay to continue. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Do you think this, the way, the, the, how that race played out, that last qualifier played out, do you think that by all accounts it was a strategy? Like do you, you would have gone back in your mind and gone, what happened? What would if I didn't let, didn't go with that let go, mm. go? Just sat in the pack, yeah. waited for the final 500 and go or whatever. Do you think it'd be a different story if you were just not even in that in that uh, opportunity or have that ability that you found yourself in? Because you've essentially taken the the race by the scruff of the neck, led most of it, been overtaken, stayed in the pack after that, didn't get spat, and still almost made it anyway. Do you do you think in that moment of reflection, do you go, ah, oh, I I know that I deserve that spot? Do you think that was a position or had you that question of you feeling that you deserved it or deserved to be an Olympian was still unanswered? I think it was it was still unanswered because I do look at that race and, and I do think, well, if I had have just stayed back in that pack, you know, would the, would the outcome be any different? I did put myself into a position that, you know, it could have paid off, but it didn't. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I don't know what would have happened if I was, if I sat back. So I think that was probably the hardest part was, no, I don't think I deserved it any more than the other girl. I think, you know, that was, you know, that was still unanswered. And, um, and that was probably the hard part was I still really wanted that dream. Mm. I still, I still had that dream. And so how long, what time frame are we talking about when you, when your now husband said to you, why not keep going to when you missed out on the team? Um, it how was probably it a good two months. Okay. Maybe. It wasn't, wasn't too long. Yeah. Um, we had that discussion and then like I, I still hadn't got back into the pool because that was, you know, um, Sure. I wasn't you sure. Were done. I was. Yeah, I yeah, was yeah. pretty done. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. We we had that discussion. Then I had to kind of have that discussion as well with my coach. Um, the funny thing was, like, going back to training and probably for a whole year after it, I just couldn't find my groove again, which then was playing with my mind because I was like, well, maybe you don't want this. Yeah. Maybe. Interesting. <laughs> maybe you like. You're going back for no reason, and we just as like in terms of the actual sessions and the small things you do outside of the pool that add up to a lot as a professional athlete. We those things were all getting done. I think um, probably not as well as they should, and I was just I was just flat. I was just really flat. Um, yeah, I I just. You know, I could see that Olympic dream, but it still felt pretty far away. Yeah, okay. And I think every session that was 
know, a, a bad session was a session that was in my head putting me back. Yeah. So that became a little bit of a tricky time. Um, but yeah, probably probably a year and I got I got past that and I got past that with um, just finding the love of racing again um, and speaking to a, a sports psychologist really, really helped. And then also um, them encouraging me to, to get on some medication for depression, which I've, I found myself in. Yeah, okay. So you found, you got out of that, I guess, that whole post missing the Olympics and then you were like, okay, I still want that. There's enough... I guess, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but there's enough emptiness at that point for you to go, I still need to go and achieve that or it needs to try again at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I know that the feeling here is eating me. Yeah. You go, okay, let's get back in the pool. And then by applying yourself that way, you still found yourself in a depressive state. Yeah. Why do you think that was? Oh, I I don't even know. Like I I don't know what it was. It was just it was just where I was at that at that time. It was I I definitely wanted to achieve it. I was feeling flat. I think now that I look back on it, I needed I needed a change. Mm. I needed something that wasn't what I just did every day. And in 2018, um, I realised that something had to change and I needed to find my absolute love of the sport again. And um, I actually left my, my long-time coach and uh, went to, to Noosa to train under John Rogers. Um, and I kind of had a meeting with him and I sat down and I said, look, I have this dream. I want to go to the Olympics. I've had it since I was seven years old. Um, but I'm going to come here and I'm going to train for a year and I want you to be honest with me. If you don't think I'm going to make it, tell me and I will I will stop there. And he was like, yeah, no worries. Like, we'll get you there. Don't worry. <laughs> and, um, yeah, 2018 ended up being my my breakout year. It's the year that I got my first international uh, medal in open water. It's also the year that I qualified for my first senior Australian team in the pool as well. Um, it's the year that uh, the 1500 was announced as Olympic event. So everything was just kind of, Happening. you know, going right. And I just, I, I honestly found the love again and everything that, you know, inspired me to, to create this dream. It was all, yeah, it was all coming together. Do you put that down to the change of pool, change of environment, JR in the corner? I anything else changed outside of the outside of that setting? Oh, it was a, it was the biggest year of change in my life. It's when I moved out of home. It's you know so much happened, but I just needed a whole lot of new. Like yeah. I I really did. I was stuck in you know the daily routine. I was just repeating myself over and over again. And yeah, just getting out of my comfort zone and yeah, just, just starting fresh. I think it's it's a combination of a lot of things. How you viewed yourself as a human, was that in, was that, did that have any connection with your success in the pool? Yeah, I think it did. Um, which looking back now is, is wrong and it's not the way that I think anymore, but I viewed myself as Karina, the swimmer, Karina, the athlete. And if she doesn't achieve, then she's a failure. Yeah. That's how you saw it. That's, that's exactly how I saw it. Yeah. Rather than you're a beautiful human that, who swims as well. Yeah. And what happens in the pool happens in the pool. But either way, you're a great person. But it was connected. It was, yeah, my... Swimmer slash athlete identity was was my whole identity. That's that's who I saw myself as. Interesting. And so, what did Jr. What did that 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 environment? Because he's one of the greatest humans. Um, it's no surprise to me that he got 
the most out of like he got so much out of you but when did that when did you when did you believe that tokyo and this was 2018 was your breakout so this is pre-covid mm -hmm. as well yeah when did you think shit 26 isn't too old we could we've, we've got this we could we can definitely qualify here i don't know if it's that i ever thought 26 wasn't too old <laughs> <laughs> but i um as soon as i started you know getting pbs in the pool um doing well internationally in open water i was like wow i'm getting older and i can still improve and i had jr in my corner who he does not let you think bad of yourself. He does not let you doubt yourself. He is like unbelievable at motivating and yeah, yeah he will shut down any negative comment you have. So it's something that I, I really needed. He's, he's stern, but he's also loving. Oh, yeah. And I think, yeah, I just, I just needed that. Yeah. And so, and then what was the qualifying process for Tokyo? Uh, for Tokyo, uh, we had to go to a world championships, which is in 2019, the year before um, Tokyo was meant to be. Um, and it was, again, the top 10 qualified there, automatic selection. Um, if your country didn't get in the top 10, then Portugal again okay. the next year. Um, yeah, so in 2019... Um, I had I had a lot of confidence going into um, the world championships, coming off you know meddling internationally, being in the top ten consistently. I had a lot of confidence that I was going to get in that first go. That's that's the difference I think between two thousand and fifteen two thousand nineteen is I actually really believed that I could get in that top ten. Yeah, and the race. The race it yeah I I finished within that top ten. I didn't know it. Um, it was the most insane race. It was, you know, the pack stayed together the whole time and the difference between first and 14th was three seconds. <laughs> so if you can imagine, you know, there was more than 14, but can you imagine 14 people coming into a tiny finish gate and all kind of touching at once? Um, you look up at the scoreboard. Because it's not a wall, is it? It's, it's, a, it's a little elevated yeah, gate. Yeah, little, little gate that you have to touch. And um, I looked up at the scoreboard and every single person's name next to it had a little camera, which meant photo finish. So <laughs> we had no idea where we came Those or poor four, four anything. people that missed. Yes, and, and being so close to that. Um, I think it was about five minutes later I was out of the water and um, it popped up that I came seventh and I just burst into tears. It was just probably one of the, the greatest moments <laughs> of know, my life. To know that you've made the team. Yeah, like literally my dreams coming true yeah <laughs> and then and then COVID hits so the games isn't aren't going to be on in 2020 and then move to 2021 mm -hmm. um talk what's where's your mindset now then between you've achieved the goal mm -hmm. so you have since you were seven i want to go to the olympics you've done that now you've qualified um where does where, how do you recalibrate the goal then? Yeah, so the goal that was achieved and that was actually a little bit hard for me. I was like, oh, okay, well, where to now? Yeah, I've, I've done it. <laughs> I, I've done that. Like what do, I, what do I aim for? Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to get on the podium. I'm just going to do it. That's just seven, that's the seven-year-old confidence. <laughs> yeah. Seven-year-old don't worry about the details. Yeah, just I'll just, get, just, I'll, I'll just get gonna it done. do it. Yeah, um, you know, first Olympics. Why not? Let's Fine. do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many girls are there in the race? Um, at the Olympics, there's actually only twenty-five starters, so it's quite okay. small compared to like a World Championships where you have eighty. Eighty. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So twenty-five of the best mm -hmm. in the world. Um, and so that you sit down with Jr. as well, and you say that's the goal that, uh, openly. Yeah, I said openly that's the goal. I, I think I'm capable. And he said, I think you're capable too. Um, and that's kind of the last we spoke about it until I got just before I got on the plane to go to Tokyo. And then what was discussed then? Um, so JR has this funny thing about... You and know, for the people that don't know <laughs> JR, he's, I don't know, pushing 90. Yeah. And just the most 
Yeah, you said it perfectly. That he's stern but loving. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That comes across twenty one, I think. Yeah. Anyway, so what does he say? Sorry. Um. Yeah. He just has this like funny thing before you before you race. If he's really confident in you, he'll give you his prediction, I suppose. <laughs> um. And he just said, "You'll be on the podium." And I was like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> <laughs> You're right. So and, much confidence. Um, yeah, that was kind of end of story. We didn't want to talk about it anymore after that. I got on the plane. He had to stay home and, yeah. <laughs> and knowing that not knowing that before that race, not one Australian male or female in the history of 10K Olympics have medaled. Yeah, no one, no one had medaled. I think the best had been seventh place. And I think originally when I was thinking, I was like, I just want to be better than seventh so okay. I can be you know, the best. <laughs> um, but I was like, no, come on, give it, give that. it more. <laughs> and so talk to me about the start line and what's going through your head there. Still extreme confidence, no, no nerves or. It's real funny. The start line in Tokyo, even, you know, the lead up, the, the presentation, everything. I was just so happy. I, I honestly could not believe I was there, you know, going through COVID, not knowing whether the Olympics was actually going to be on. I was just insanely happy. And I think that just made me relaxed. And um, I, I said to myself on the start line, like, it really doesn't matter where you came. Like, this this is your dream and you're living it. So let's do it. Yeah. Okay. And then talk to me about through that last race. Um, through the race, uh, it was, it was really, really hot in the water. I think it was 20, 29 or 30 degrees in the water, um, 32 degrees out of the water. It was quite warm. So I actually had more feeds than I would usually have in open water race. Normally I'd have one or two. I, I fed on every single lap of the six lap course, um, the plan was to try and stay within the top six for the first um, five laps of the race just so I could see the front girls, see if they were trying to put a move on or anything like that, but try and conserve as much energy as possible. And then the plan was to absolutely give it your all with a one kilometre to go. Um, now, like in, in open water races, things don't go to plan. <laughs> Uh, I found myself you know, with uh, two laps to go, I think back in around 13th and I was in a little bit of a, a fight with um, one of the other girls. Like you, you can get yellow card and red card and she ended up getting a yellow card, which gave me a little bit of time to get away from her and get out of that situation. Um, and I had to tell myself to just relax and just try and find your way back up to sixth and I ended up getting there by the last lap and I was feeling really hot, quite tired. So I didn't know whether this last kilometre was going to go very well. But um, it seemed that a lot of people had the the same thinking of that last kilometre <laughs> because the pace on that last kilometre just went up. And I was, yeah, still probably back in six and I saw one girl head out to the side a little bit and then the rest of the pack was staying together and that one girl heading out to the side looked like she was absolutely moving and I didn't know who it was because my goggles were a little bit foggy but I was like I'm going to take this chance and follow that girl wow. and this I followed yeah I know I know should have <laughs> maybe learnt but <laughs> no I I followed her and um, it ended up being the girl who won, which is a great person to sit on. And she ended up just accelerating and taking me from six up to, you know, we were sitting in first and second. We had one more person on the back of, of my feet and we ended up being the top three. So it was actually a really good move. And um, yeah, coming into last straight in the finish, I could see that we'd made a little bit of a breakaway from everyone I was just like kind of praying I was like please hold this hold this Don't <laughs> stay there yeah yep. you can do it um and it was probably the last you know the hardest last kilometer of my life and I 
I honestly do not remember finishing. I look back at the finish now and had an ab- absolutely awful finish. Um, you know, it was a it was a big sprint between Did yeah, the three second and third. The, no, she broke away. Only, only a little bit, but yeah, it was yeah second and third. I had an awful finish, but you know, I was to come third. I was just insane. Like I was over the moon. Yeah, and you've become the most successful open water swimmer, male, female in the country. Yeah, and that like to think of that like it's it's insane. <laughs> That's incredible. And uh, so, where does the medal live now? The medal is just on my um on my buffet at home. Okay, I'm tr- I'm still trying to find like figure out what to do with it. I want to have it on display, but I also want to be able to take it out because people ask to see it a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure. Um, and the thing about it as well, like in in open water as a specialist. You only get one chance. It's mm-hmm. not like you've got a, a full program of opportunity. No, like you can't get multiple medals. So, no. and it and it's funny because sometimes I feel a little bit bad about that. Like, I think you know the Australian swim team put on their their stories once the like the amounts of medals that <laughs> Olympic medals that they won, and there's just like one next to me, and I was kind of you know a little bit embarrassed, and then I had to catch myself and go, hey, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's that's every goal, right, ticked for you. Yeah. Talk to me about the conversation with JR straight after that race. Straight after that, um, one of the, the coaches there um, in Tokyo had him on the phone um, ready for me as soon as I got out, which was really special. And um, I was holding myself together and then he was on the phone crying. And then <laughs> so um, I just... I just lost it and he was just saying how proud of he, of me he was like yeah. and you know coming from him that's pretty special so yeah yeah it was pretty cool how did you feel how did you feel about yourself and um in that moment I you know I was on top of the world I thought this was the greatest thing ever like yeah. it was just insane to even think that I had achieved that goal you know it took me 20 years to achieve my first goal and then within two years I'd achieved that the next the one, next one. Yeah. yeah and sitting here now how do you reflect on that experience yeah it's it's funny I actually have mixed emotions about it now like I still think it was it was awesome I I'm still so proud of myself for doing that but it's not everything that I thought it was going to be like, I don't know, you just think, you know, you'll achieve your goal. You'll have unlimited happiness. Like, you achieve your goal, it will, it will be everything. It will change your life forever. But, you know, you, you get over that Olympic period and you're still just Karina. <laughs> yeah. And did that take some time? To what? To, to get, get over th- it? To, oh, just to accept that, I guess. Yeah. I mean... I don't know. I think I had just had this outlook of my idols, every other Olympian. I just thought, you know, they had it had it all, but not necessarily. And I think as proud as I am, achievement is not everything. There is so much more to life than than just that. Talk to me about that balance. Yeah, so I've I've figured out now that, you know, this, you know, that the sport is is a, such a small part of part of your life. And that, you know, you've got people in your life that are going to be a part of your life forever. And, um, yeah, I think just figuring out that, you know, there, there's just there's just so much more than than just that moment. And that's that is a, a part of me and a part of a journey that I've been on. But there's an even bigger one, I think, ahead. Upon that, let's call that like a decade of learnings from when you set yourself, like you properly set even maybe from the junior Pampax to to the Tokyo Dias, even now, I guess, now you're out of, as a professional uh, athlete and you've morphed into a professional coach, mm-hmm. um, what would you tell your 10-year younger self? I would tell my younger self to enjoy life and to make time for yourself um don't be scared of having breaks and having fun as well there 
there is a balance to everything and I think, you know, a, a happier person is going to go further than someone that is, you know, flogging themselves all the time and, you know, unhappy while doing it. Do you think you could have achieved what no one else in the country has ever achieved without being so driven and to the expense of a lot of things? Yeah, look, I think every single professional athlete has to make sacrifices. Not that I really like that word, but they they have to make big choices, tough choices, and they have to be so, so driven. But something that I really, really do believe in now is like well-being as a whole as well and I really think that some people are nailing it and I think they're the ones that we're seeing go further yeah interesting that people that are that have the ability maybe to see themselves as a human first Mm -hmm. and an athlete second exactly and still still commit to the craft as much as you need to yes and I think like you you see well I think we've learned actually after COVID that you know, breaks are okay and that you will come back and you will come back from from them better. I found that a forced break in COVID was, you know, my first break in a very, very long time and I came back with more drive and more love for the sport and more want to do it because something got taken away from me that I loved mm. and coming back to it, was it was just this, yeah, this fresh start again, which was really cool. Yeah, right. How has the transition been from... From being the swimmer to being the one with the stopwatches and on an elite level, right? Yeah. How has that been? Um, transition out of sport is a is a funny one. It's it's for me it was so challenging. And I think that's partly because I created this thing that was, you know, Karina as the athlete was my yeah. whole identity. Who are you without that? Yeah. And I truly believed that I was setting myself up for life outside of sport. I mean, I went I went to uni and I did my teaching degree and I was so, so proud of that. Like to, to get that while I was um, competing was one of my greatest achievements and um, I, I truly believe that my life was set up and then you get out into the real world and you realise that you haven't actually worked and you haven't got the skills that, you know, that other people who have been, you know, working since they were, um, you know, 14 or whatever actually have and that as an athlete I was actually quite far behind the rest of the world. And, and that's transitioning from some, from doing something for so long that you are one of the best in the world at yeah. to then go, okay, I need to move. I'm moving to a place where I'm I'm actually behind, yeah, behind. you. <laughs> and it's, it's so... It's so weird that that kind of feeling, that realisation, and I think you're just not aware of it and people can tell you while you're in the sport but you just you don't take it in, you don't yeah. listen. Um, and then, yeah, trying to trying to find a job as a teacher and then I, I think I got a job as you know, relief teaching and then there's still this hole that you know, I still love swimming and I still love the sport and I'm so far away from it now and just you know, in a, in a classroom with kids that I only spend one day with. Um, and it just, it, there was something that just wasn't, wasn't right there. And, um, then I was trying to figure out, well, you know, I did this degree and I'm going to, you know, put it to waste, but what am I going to do? Then I went into, and I did an athlete wellbeing course and that's something that I'm really passionate about. And then, yeah, just suddenly this, job opportunity came up and um it was it was being a coach and it was something that people always told me that I'd be good at but I was like no you can't do that after you (laughs) swam you're just gonna live the same life and you can't do that um but now I'm doing it and it's filling this this hole that was there that I'm still around the pool I'm still around swimmers yeah, I am living like literally the exact yeah, same life, which is pretty funny. But um, yeah, I think I've I've found a passion. I found. But you're bringing love. obviously something drew to teaching. Yeah. And then you're using what you know and what you've learned over the last well, since you were little in the pool. Mm-hmm. But you're also bringing what you know as you're teaching. Yeah. 
swimming. Yeah, I get to bring in teaching, athlete well-being and swimming, like all of it together. And I think that's really special. And I and I think that I have got a lot to bring to the sport. And yeah, I'm, I'm continuing learning on this too and, and growing as a coach. So where does the next five years look like for you? The next five years, um, I I want to be on on more teams. I want to be, you know, traveling with the Australian team, but I really want to um, incorporate um, well-being practice into um, my coaching more. And I also want to. I just I just have this dream of being able to educate coaches and athletes on on the well-being side of things as well is that to help the athletes manage through at the current place they're at or more focused on post um both both related both i i the main thing is that knowing that there is separate there's you know the person and there's the athlete, yeah. which is a, a great part of the person, but not the person. it's not the person. And that's, I think it's really important message to, to bring through. And I think that's going to help throughout their swimming careers and post. How do you cut through that? Because as you said, you know, when you're, when you're in the thick of it, when you're swimming, you know, 12 sessions a week, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. know, I know, Yeah. but I'm swimming. How do you cut through? There just has to be more voices, I think. Um, more vo- voices of people who have been through it. Yeah. Um, more examples of people that are doing it, you know, amazingly. Okay. That's awesome. Um, thank you for sharing that today. Before you leave, we go through a number of short fire questions. Um, so for one tip that you could give to somebody who is looking to be more successful. I think it all begins with setting goals and, you know, knowing that they're not going to happen instantaneously and that if you if you continue working towards them, even if you, you know, you get struck down a little bit, that you keep working towards them, you will get there. I think that's a, your life is a testament to that <laughs> after, <laughs> after the year and a half out of the pool before the qualifiers for Rio and then not qualifying for Rio and then going towards what you've been able to achieve. Number one tip for someone looking to be more happy in their life. More happy is just um, being able to create balance as well as taking time out for yourself. Um, you know, if you're not happy within yourself, you're not going to be happy you know, in general. So really looking after yourself and, um, you know, recognising the people around you who, you know, are amazing people surrounding yourself with those people. I want to dig in here a little bit, uh, which I don't usually do. But so you, in the past, you've said uh, that particularly after Rio that you you weren't, you were pretty blind to what you were going through until it was all too much. Mm-hmm. How do you check in with yourself to make sure you're okay now? Yeah, I have like I have little signs I think that um, I know now and I mean, I've learned this through psychologists that you know, there's there's little things like how I, I'll withdraw or I won't respond to text messages or things like that and that I now click on to like, okay, yeah, something's, <laughs> something's not right not here. Right. Yeah. And then do you what's the process? How do you sit on that or mull through that to work out the answer um well I I do check myself then I'm like okay like what's what's going on what's wrong and I'll have a think on it and usually um I'll just you know have a conversation with the psych then and we'll usually get to the bottom of it and then the advice after that is just to, to go and do something that you enjoy. So for me, it can be as little as going to get my nails done or going for a walk with a podcast in and it generally just recenters me. Beautiful. Um, a book that you would recommend someone to read? Um, I am someone who gets really lost in books and I love getting lost in books and it's just like a, a really nice um relaxation time for me so it's I don't read anything that's too full-on um so I would say anything by um 
Leanne, um, Leanne Moriarty. So maybe what's the genre? Um, it's like it's it's fiction, but she always has good twists in her novels. Okay. Um, probably Five Perfect Strangers is a really good one. Perfect. Uh, most influential person in your life? Um, I really think it's my husband. I'm just in awe of him every day. Um, he he works so hard, but he he has you know, amazing friendships and like he's he cares so much about family and then he'll always you know find time to to do things whether it's around the house or whether it's you know with me out or whatever he he will always um yeah I don't know I just lost that (laughs) no that's beautiful that's really beautiful and then finally one guest famous or not that you think we should interview um I think Graham Brewer so he is um, – he was an ex-swimmer from way back. He actually swam under JR. Um, and he was a coach and a um, successful business person. So I think he has a lot of cool stories to tell. Awesome. Karina Lee, you are the most successful open water swimmer this country has ever seen, but you are – a human first and a really beautiful human at that. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. That was Karina Lee. It was such a great experience sitting down with her, listening to her story, and I just thank her so much for being vulnerable with me and talking through her life and her career as a professional swimmer. I hope you guys took away some great lessons about goal setting, about overcoming adversity and finding balance as well. If you really enjoyed that podcast, that episode, I'd really encourage you to share that with anyone you think would really enjoy it as well and to spread the word. We really appreciate it. So until next time, peace.